Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hello and welcome to True Romance. This is Devin Leary. This is Carolina Barlow. I'm really heading things off today because I have something special to share with the group. But first, I'm really tired. I just came back from a bachelorette party in New Orleans. No, I don't drink. No, I don't do drugs. But I do party like a motherfucker. And I did. That honestly sounds lamer than saying I don't drink or don't do drugs. What? I party like a motherfucker? I'm sober, but I party like a motherfucker. Well, I mean, I just don't know how else to say it. Like, it's like, yes, yeah, saying Merry Christmas is corny, but that's what you say. So I party like a motherfucker is corny, but that's what I say. Um, so I had the time of my life, but I'm extremely tired. Um, and I just want to appropriate quickly, uh, do a, do a brief theft of words that were spoken by my best friend, Haley, whose bachelorette party it was. She said, bachelorettes are celebrating an institution originally created to enslave women to their husbands. And she thinks that female friendships are the strongest force in the world. So really it's a celebration of that. But she wanted to say more on that and couldn't fit it into the text bubble that she sent me. Okay. I didn't have to add that last part, but I just like, I just went into it. So I just do want to say that I think that women coming together just naturally is a transformative experience for all involved. Agree. We got there within, I would say, four hours. I was telling part of my life story to a woman I had just met. I, we all just went there. We all just got vulnerable. We all immediately had 100,000% support for every other person there and was like, whatever you do, like if one of them had gotten into a street brawl that night, I just would have been there to support because like, I just was like, we're a team now. Here we are. We're all in this house. What else is going to happen? Every single woman there was genuinely a main character of the best kind, like truly a hilarious, brilliant, thoughtful 
I mean, some of these people just met me and were like at a Bourbon Street club and they're like looking out for me enough that they're like, Devin's not here. Everyone wait till Devin gets here. Like we're, we're just all, a team. I mean, I just felt, I felt loved. I felt seen. I felt heard. Um, I felt understood. I felt like my ribs hurt from laughing. I felt, um, I felt all the good things. And I don't know if like, maybe that was just unique to this bachelorette experience, but we did happen to interact with not only multiple other bachelorette parties that happened to be happening in New Orleans at the same time. Like, I, I guess that's just the thing is that there's just like a ton of bachelorette parties happening. There was one that was like, the theme was minions, <laughs> but like, that was tough. That was tough for me. I, I don't know that I would have been able to indulge in the theme if I was invited to that. Another bachelorette party that was in New Orleans at the time, the theme was grandmas and everyone dressed like that's a grandma. That's pretty cool. That was awesome. So there was also multiple bachelor bachelor parties, um, some good, some bad, some obviously from New Jersey. And there was one bachelor party that we ended up talking to for a long time. Oh. And I just was like... So you guys just come together and what is it? Like they watch sports, they play golf, maybe they like, there's just no really interesting conversation going on. One of them was like, I just did a wellness retreat where I learned that if you put your chest up to another person's chest, you can feel each other's heartbeat. And I was like, really? Everything that just happened in the last 30 seconds you were talking is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. So I'm going to be stepping back. Um, another one, like totally fine conversation, but he was like, oh, you live in New York. I used to live there, which means I'm real enough to say that no place else compares. Oh, it just was wow. like, I was like, so this is men. And then look at women. Like why, how, 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 I, I don't know how it's supposed to be that men are supposed to deserve women. I just don't understand. And maybe that's not clear, but what I'm trying to say is like, there's no bachelor party on earth that could ever possibly compare to the healing and stunning beauty of even the worst bachelorette party on earth. True. Okay. So that's what I've been up to, Carol. What have you been up to? I want to say one of the highlights is I was obviously um, watching Devin's stories while she was in New Orleans at this bachelor party. And one of them was of her friend Haley on a stage with a microphone. And I was immediately concerned. I was like, oh, my God, Haley had them all watch her do stand up comedy. Can you imagine a bride taking you to her bachelorette party and saying, now I'm going to do comedy? OK, this is what I think about your response to that. First of all, we were dying laughing, thinking about if that was the case and also like what hell that would be. But I really I, I analyzed it in terms of like your psychological state. Well, and, and, and what it showed and what it showed is that you've been in the industry too long that you actually like just assumed that that was stand-up comedy because it couldn't have been more obvious that it was karaoke. There was it like a TV a in the background. It took me a second. She's, she's used to being in the comedy world and she needs... This is what I'm saying, guys. She needs blue-collar friends. She needs to break out of her, her group of playwrights and comedians that she runs with. She needs to get off Raya and match with some blue-collar people on Hinge and then meet them in New Orleans. Actually, one of the girls on the bachelorette party was doing bumble and one of my favorite things is to like watch someone else bumble or watch someone else go on hit and just yeah. like it just feels like such a roller coaster of emotions and she was like i'm just gonna ask this guy what he's doing tonight and she's like hey i'm in new orleans like what are you up to tonight and i was like amazing huge move and then he goes i'm in quarantine because i'm COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like all right listen it is it is louisiana we're not gonna lie um 
by the way, it is that so interesting in New Orleans. It was like, look to your left and it's like the best person that you've ever witnessed on earth. And you're like, I'm so glad I came to this place that I could see this like man on a unicycle with a snake who like is singing Celine Dion. And then you look to your right and it's like the most terrifying insurrectionist in a Trump 2020. And you're like, wait, no. And also like, okay, I'm seeing what would happen if we unified the sides like people talk about, like we have to listen to all sides. And I'm not liking it. <laughs> I really would just prefer the guy singing Celine Dion. Um, actually, I would prefer the man I saw who was actually wearing a kilt and a leather vest. And the leather vest said, I'm not for everybody. And I was like, I love you so much. <laughs> I love you. So I want that. But I could have absolutely done without everything yeah. that was not that. So I don't see all sides. So that's my political statement at this time. I know. I'm reading a book about a farmer and he... Why uh, is she always doing this? It's actually the same book I read forever ago, but I stopped and I restarted it. Wait, the woman who like has sex with a farmer and she doesn't, she's married to him. So yes, she has sex with him, but she's also married to him and has a family with him. Oh, okay. So that makes it okay to just slut yourself around. Okay. So he bikes across the country and while he's beginning to bike across the country, another man is returning from a bike ride across the country. And they, when they meet up, He's like, it was the worst trip of my life. People are terrible in this country. I hate it so much. But when this guy goes to bike across the country, all he feels because he stays at farms is how amazing people are. Like people are bringing him food. People are letting him camp on their properties. People are bringing him plates of their barbecue. People are letting him stay, spend the night and send him Christmas cards forever. Now, I don't necessarily think of myself as someone who would let a stranger camp on my property. But it's nice to see that there are some people who really trust humanity still. Um, actually, this was probably like 20 years ago, though. So this was before was the fall. Time. This was before. Yeah. OK, 20 years ago, literally one year after 9-11, a.k.a. the one time America did come together and all it's love true. each other, except for George Bush, who didn't care about anyone who wasn't white. Anyway, thanks for sharing that. And I want to ask you now, I want to ask you now, what has your week been like? My week has been great. It's been very busy. I have had a recent revelation. I do Pilates because as Devin put it, I am pretentious. Oh, but it's I, was like, what, I was wondering what you're going to say. As Devin you're like, put I've called her like, so many things. I know. I what like, is, is it? it? <laughs> what? Poser, loser. Yeah. <laughs> and I've done physical therapy for my injuries. Pilates actually helps the most. And I really enjoy it because it's a workout you can do lying down, which is ideal. And I've had this Pilates teacher that I used to go to and I started going to her again. She's a Ukrainian woman. She is super um, intense. And she says it. She's like, don't fuck with me. She says stuff like that. So I hadn't seen her in a really long time. And I walk in and I hadn't seen her since I had gotten injured, which was years ago now. And she's sort of like, okay, let's just lie down on the table. Let's just work stuff out. She's really understanding of like pressure points. She's the kind of person who will press on an area in your foot and your back will open up. <gasps> like she really understands anatomy. Wow. And is that anatomy? It sounds like magic. Yeah. Okay. So the New York Times called her the Pilates witch. And I understand that now. That's after I did some research because while she's randomly doing work on me, she's literally starts speaking so quickly and giving me what I can only describe as psychic information. Okay. So most of it is so personal that I wouldn't even be able to talk about it on the podcast, 
but I'll just say she went through past relationships talking about cities that boyfriends were from, talking about cities where ex-boyfriends currently live in such specific form and closing her eyes while she was doing it that I was startled. Now, I am, am I not ashamed? Ashamed. I'm on the board of being ashamed and not ashamed to say that I've spent a lot of money on psychics in my lifetime. I don't know why. I've also donated a lot to charity. So please don't hate me. Please take it all with a grain of salt. But I've never had like this accurate of a reading. It was so spooky. Okay. But if you don't give us any details, the story does lose like 95% of its excitement. I'm trying to think of anything I could say. Like, I feel like saying I got a really good psychic reading, but not saying like what the reading led you to believe. It's really hard. Okay. Well, she said like you just went through a breakup. Okay. And this person was from this city and I'm also getting this city. And I was like, yep, yep, yep. The other thing that I can tell you that she said to me was she touched my foot and said, you have IBS. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I think that's true. I definitely think like you have an undiagnosed something. I know. Me too. I honestly need to get the gluten test that you got, but I'm terrified because if they say I'm allergic to gluten and you know, you've been through the ring of fire, so you probably know, but what does my life look like? It's like not drinking all over again. It's actually worse because now when I go to a restaurant, I'm like, do you make this cocktail virgin? And do you make anything completely non-contaminated by gluten products? And everyone's like, you're a fucking piece of shit. Um, <laughs> but wait, Carol, you actually have to. You have to because it will. you can like get cancer if you don't treat it and okay. you have it. Um, okay. The thing is, guys, the thing is, guys. The amount of times that like Carolina and I talked about our digestive problems before I was diagnosed with celiac and she was like, I know, same, same, same. It's true. And then now one of us has an autoimmune disease and one of us just hasn't gotten a blood test in a while. So (laughs) I'm just, I'm like, it's okay. Your stomach's always sticking out and uncomfortable. That's fine. I know it's happened to me with a couple other people too that I'm friends with who I was like, oh, so if I have this, then I think maybe they do. I'm like, it's normal to want to sleep all the time. It's normal to get tired after you do anything. No, I mean, I really have to say being on this trip, I noticed more than ever how affected, like how much more energy I have because even like lack of sleep and all this stuff, like I just, I, the, the difference in your life when you don't immediately feel comatose after a meal is pretty big. All right. Okay. So you have IBS. Did this woman give you any future telling or no? She did. She said, okay, this is actually something she said that is very accurate. She was like, you've always fantasized about being a stepmom. That's true. She has. That's true. And she was like, you might become one. Might? Bitch. If you're going to be doing ab workouts for her, she better tell you more than might. I wouldn't call her bitch. Okay, I'm scared. She's a she's witch. She's she said, like, she's like, the word witch has a really bad connotation, but... Well, if I really meet her, I'll one. say, you're not a witch if you're still at the might phase, my friend. You gotta be at the this is gonna happen phase. Listen, you have to understand how psychics talk. Nothing's written in the stars. And she says, she's like, I'm just a human being. Oh, she also said she loved my doctors, which is true. And she said, there's one older doctor with silver hair. He's tall. He's hunched over. He has a really deep voice. He's the kind of American man that I knew when I immigrated to this country and he cares about you so much. So obviously she's talking about Dr. Sherman at Cedars, who's my plastic surgeon. 
who loves me so much in his spare time. He's obsessed with World War II planes and goes up and is a pilot. Okay. So really what I'm recommending is a Pilates teacher, Nona Glazer, and a um, plastic surgeon, Dr. Randall Sherman at Cedars. And they've both done wonders. I'm going to be seeing Sherman because I did come across like some photos of me in high school right after I got my nose job. And I'm like, oh, that was the glory days. And I would Wait, like to get back there. Nose job? I don't know. I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it depends how my self-confidence withstands my 30s. We'll see. Let me talk about Kim for a second. Okay. So Kim did very much a Kim move where at the Met Gala where, by the way, Pete Davidson, when he's with her, always looks like he's going to junior prom for the first time. Like his suits say junior prom so much. He wears sunglasses at night, which is fine, but he just can't. He doesn't look that old. Like he looks like 19, 20. Yeah. But anyway, Kim is dressed in a Marilyn Monroe's dress from when Marilyn Monroe sang happy birthday to John F. Kennedy, which is kind of, I was like, oh, she loves stunts like this. She loves buying shares clothing. I'm, you know, she's very into Marilyn phase, whatever. She looks a little too skinny, but she had to fit into the dress and she stretched it out, whatever. Then she posts another picture wearing another one of Marilyn Monroe's dresses. Then she posts a picture of herself holding a Marilyn Monroe Golden Globe in the same dress. Then reading more about it, she had stretched out Marilyn Monroe's old dress, walked up the stairs. Then after she was done with that, switched into a replica. So basically, like, it was all for, like, the five seconds of walking up the stairs to basically tell everyone, like, yeah, I'm actually in Marilyn Monroe's dress right now. Right. Then she is at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Center or something like that. I don't know what this place is. I saw this. That was so weird. They give her locks of Marilyn Monroe's hair, people. Then instead of saying, which I would say truly, even if cameras were on me, I would say, this is so weird. I don't feel comfortable having this. Yeah. She says, oh my God, this is sleeping with me from now on. Sorry, Pete. And I'm like, listen, I don't think you should mess with the dead. I really don't. Okay. I don't think you should mess with the dead. And also she, she always like accidentally says things that reveal the truth about the fact that she's asexual. One being like that, as I've talked about before the time when she was like, Kanye and I just had sex 500 times. And it's like, okay, so you don't know how sex works, even though you're a full adult. So you just don't have sex with him because you're asexual. And then in this, she's saying like, sorry, Pete, you can't sleep. You can't sleep in the bed with me anymore because a a tiny glob of hair is going to be there. Like, obviously they can both fit. AKA she's proving she doesn't sleep in the bed with Pete. AKA she's proving they don't have sex. AKA they're, they're proving she's asexual and he's not. And I don't know why he's with her when he's clearly a sexual being. Also, he does have the power to make me like the woman, whoever it is that he's in a relationship with, except for like when it was like 19 year old models who have no personality I don't care about. But like, I didn't like Ariana Grande until she dated him. And then I was like, wait, stan their relationship, stan her music. And then when they broke up, I was like, okay, still stan her music. And sorry. And now I feel like Kim with Pete, I like her better slightly than before. I feel bad for her in a way after especially a quote came out where she said some quote in an article about how they were driving around doing errands together. And she just said, thank you so much for doing this with me. I'm so happy. And it was kind of like, oh, you've never Kanye West is not the kind of person you can do errands with probably. 
Right. Which I will say one thing about the Kardashians is they love going out to get salads. They love going out to look at Christmas decorations. They don't care so much about the paparazzi. They they literally actively try to be seen by it. And Exactly. I don't know. It's funny. Pete tattooed the name, the initials to Kim and all of her children's names on his neck. Okay. When will he learn? That is so chaotic. I'm sorry. No, someone on Twitter was like, him and Kanye are doing a manic off. Like, who is more manic right now? Like, we don't know, actually. That is so nuts. I'm sorry. You you said it so casually. Like, you're like, yeah, it's kind of funny. He actually had tattooed the names. Okay, how long have they been dating? It's been like a few months and he's already done that. That's that's actually deeply upsetting to me. Like you are not their stepdad for life. He also had Kim's name branded on himself because that he said, I don't want to be able to remove it, which when Kim was telling Ellen DeGeneres this, she was like, and it was really sweet. Like, yeah, because, you know, he gets his tattoos removed. So he wanted to, um, he wanted to like brand my name. And I was like, Anyone else who has a healthy self-image or a healthy, like, scope of themselves would be like, I'm worried about the person I'm dating. Yes, because totally. Because I can, I should not be brand, like, if, don't get me wrong. If a guy got my name tattooed on himself, I would be stoked. If it was three months of the relationship, slightly concerned. If he branded my name, I would say, like, are you okay? Are you all right? I would be contacting doctors and yes. lawyers. Doctors yes. and lawyers immediately. The only response to your partner getting branded of you is doctors and lawyers. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's not telling Ellen. (laughs) I would not call Ellen. I wouldn't call Ellen unless I had a son who could repeat all the lyrics to a Nicki Minaj song. (laughs) (laughs) He also got a tattoo that said, my girl is a lawyer. Um, She's not one. (laughs) She's actually. (laughs) The interesting fact about that is no. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with my personal choice of a true crime romance. Please stay tuned. I want true romance. Hacks is back for season three and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. 
Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. Devin obviously has so much more experience than I do in murder. What I mean when I say that is that Devin inhales true crime. For instance, we are going to do an episode on the staircase. It's to come. I'm 1.5 episodes in. I was honestly scared to bring it up to Devin because I didn't want any spoilers. And Devin has seen the actual documentary three times. Oh, have you never seen the documentary? Mm-mm. Oh my God. This is classic, Carol. Guys, first she's like, first she's like, I really want to talk about on the podcast today. Like, it's important to me to talk about the TV show, The Staircase. I'm like, oh, well, I've only watched two out of three episodes. And she's like, I've watched the first episode. (laughs) I didn't say it was important to me. I said, maybe we could talk about it, but continue. This is the thing. Like, I wish I had the confidence in any area of my life that Carolina has in discussing something she barely knows anything about. All right, fair. (laughs) Because... I was like, okay, well, I have seen the documentary three times, but I've only seen the first two episodes of like the narrative show out of three. So maybe, and she's like, I've seen one episode and never seen the documentary. And she was ready to do like a full diatribe. I know she was ready to do a full diatribe with no information. I was just going to comment on him, but we will get to that at a what later were you episode. Gonna, can I just know what your comment was so I can make fun of it? Please, 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 no. please, please. I just want to know what you're like, the, what was the thesis? My thesis is that I'll get into on our next episode, but... One of the things I wanted to talk about was, is he a psychopath or is he a man? So James is, that's his name, right? James Peterson. (laughs) People she delivers every time. I don't like Michael Peterson. Not a single James in sight. Not a single James in the whole show. I don't think you're being supportive. I don't think you're very, as in Ramona Singer says, I don't think you're very supporting other women right now. I, okay, Brian, our editor, if you do one thing for me in, in our lifetimes, please, even if she says cut it out, please keep in Carolina saying one thing I want to say about the staircase is James. That's his name, right? <laughs> what I wanted to say was Michael Peterson. Is he male or is he a psychopath? And what I mean by that is he, doesn't want to call his dead wife's sisters to tell them that their sister died. He wants to call their husbands and ask them to do it. He doesn't want to tell his wife's daughters that their mother died. He just wants to not deal with it. And so that to me is absolute insanity. But at the same time, I'm like, but is this how men deal with things? Right. Like spoiler alert, when he has his friend tell his kids that he's bisexual, And then later on, he's like, so did he talk to you? Okay, great. And walks up the stairs. I'm like, is he a murderer or is he just a disassociative avoidant personality? That's what I'm interested in right now. Okay. Honestly, given that you didn't even know a single character's name, I do think that's like a really interesting point to bring up because it's true. And that does 
that does speak to the whole series and case as a whole is like, is this a man or is it suspicious or are men just suspicious and everything they do kind of? Yeah. Um, so just let me tell you something, Carol, stay tuned. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm loving it. I really am. But we're not here to talk about that right now. Let's put a pin in that and we will go back to it at a later episode. Right now, Devin, you want to tell me something about a true crime. Yeah. So for this week's true crime romance case, I wanted to talk about something that happened in a little corner of the world called the Hudson Valley and specifically the area surrounding Poughkeepsie, New York. And yes, I do have experience there given that I attended Vassar College for two brief years. So one thing that drew me into this case when I was watching the Snapped episode, shout out to Snapped, was that I knew the players, I knew the game. It's like when you're watching anything besides and just like that because they didn't show any interesting (laughs) corners of the city. But like any other show that films in New York and you're like, oh my God, that's that street in Greenpoint that I was at one time. Wait, like, let me text my friends who I was at that deli with. You know what I mean? That's what was happening for me when I saw the Snapped episode. I was like, oh my God, that's the corner where I got my first tattoo. And they told me that normally they don't clean or bandage tattoos at tattoo (laughs) places. And I thought that was normal. I was like, cool. And then the tattoo bled through everything I was wearing. And I'm lucky that I didn't uh, get hepatitis. Yeah. So that is something I really enjoyed about this. And then once I was in, I just kept going deeper and deeper because this is a real topsy-turvy roller coaster of a situation. So Carol, let me ask you to please picture yourself in the year 1999. There. The town... Pleasant Valley slash Poughkeepsie, New York. It, I couldn't really tell which one it was because they kept showing different road signs. Um, and I want to tell you about a little gal named, I shouldn't say little because she's notably six feet tall, named Don Mudge. All right? I'm going to share my screen. I would screen. kill someone just if they gave me that name. She's described in this episode of Snapped as a country girl from the Catskills, a tomboy. And there is a man who's interviewed in this Snapped episode who goes by the name M. William Phelps. So we just know that's a fake name. We just know. Like, it's, it's, he's coming from the era of J.K. Rowling and he's calling himself M. (laughs) William Phelps. Like, we know he's, he's not real. And he is describing this country girl from the Catskills as she used to have target practice in her backyard with pistols. You know, she liked the simple life. With pistols, okay? I need you also to get a visual of M. William Phelps because he is going to come up multiple times. And it's really important to see, like, to visualize his goatee anytime I mention him. And I will be posting these photos to our True Romance Instagram account. So look for that to follow along. So she's a country girl. She shoots pistols in her backyard. But other than that, she she is to be beloved. That's also not a goatee. That's a soul patch, but can keep going. Oh, I was wondering. I was like, what is it called when it looks like a little turd on your face? That's what he has. (laughs) (laughs) And he has a V-neck. And yet, just like when you see this man think he is described as an investigative journalist, like just think about that. (laughs) We have Don Mudge. She gets married when she's 21 years old. Could have make a killer out of anyone. She has a kid, a son, 
and she has a career working with developmentally disabled children. And this is where it starts to take some turns. Moonlighting as a country music singer. Okay. Going to local bars, singing country music. We should all follow our dreams. I don't want to make fun of that. Continue. Okay. When she's not with the husband and son, she's doing these gigs. And she also starts doing something as a pastime called Citizens Band Radio, which mm-hmm. is described in the Snapped episode as sort of the chat rooms of the time. Early chat rooms are the worst chat rooms. So this is the 1980s and 90s when Citizens Band Radio became popular. I have trouble understanding what it was, but I think it was like people had their own radios and it would be kind of like, you know, like how in Lost they start like using that like plane radio to try to like see if anyone else is on the island. And then that French woman was like, her voice came through and they were like, oh, there's someone else on the island. Like, I think that was Citizens Band Radio. Like, people would be like, hello, is anyone out there? And then someone would like tune into the same wavelength and people would like talk through the radio. But Dawn was using that in her spare time and she referred to herself as an alias uh, when using the radio, which was Delta Dawn. So Delta Dawn starts chatting over the radio with a man who refers to himself as Neptune. And... Neptune is actually a man named Fred Andros. He was the head of the Poughkeepsie Water Department, and he was sort of like a mob boss character. Um, I think he definitely embraced the mob persona more than more than he actually lived the lifestyle. I mean, basically, he was like accepting bribes from people who were doing construction jobs because he was in control of like their water. So he, someone, M. William, M. William Phelps's impression of his corrupt behavior was saying things like, Hey, give me 500 bucks or I'll shut your water off. Um, so that's like the extent of his shadiness. But I think he definitely was like, I'm Neptune, you know, like, like give me 500 bucks. Like I'm in the mafia. He, and maybe, um, maybe that wasn't fully the case. So that's his vibe. And He starts talking to Delta Dawn through the radio and starts going to see her country music performances. She invites him. She's like, Neptune, come on down. I'll be singing some Shania down at the honky tonk. Um, And he comes. One of the times he comes, he brings his wife. Uh, Yikes. This is when the, the gossip starts going around town that Neptune, a.k.a. Fred, is having multiple affairs on his wife. And so Don is maybe vaguely aware of this. She's like, okay, he's married. He brought his wife to the honky-tonk, but, like, I'm also married, and, like, I don't know. Maybe there's still something that could go on. So Delta Don and Neptune start hooking up, and she starts kind of using his connections in town for money and for favors. I'm not really sure what the favors could have been. Like maybe she needed water for her country music (laughs) career. (laughs) She needed like some sort of shower effect for her country music video. And he did that. I don't know. But basically she ends up. So the way they describe it in the snapped episode is they're like, she built up a debt with Fred Andros. To me, I'm like, 
that's what he said. Like, I don't, I think he was Built a deeply. Up a debt, meaning that he did a bunch of favors for her. Yeah. And then she quote okay. unquote owed him. And like, Got to it. me, I'm like, okay, so he's a manipulative psychopath and yeah. he made her feel like she owed him something when she didn't. But that's not the type of commentary that M. William Phelps was like ready to deliver. Interested in, so yeah. because she has this debt, Fred Andrew starts asking her for sexual favors oh. in return. Um, and it's like, I don't know. It's a little bit of like a shady gray area. It's like they were hooking up consensually and like she was maybe into it. And then he starts saying like, you need to do these things for me. And it becomes like sort of a gray area between like abuse and consent. And meanwhile, after some sexual favors, he then starts asking her for non-sexual favors in the form of delivering envelopes of cash for him and receiving envelopes of cash for him. Again, his mob-like behavior. Meanwhile, Don gets divorced and then gets remarried, all the while continuing her affair and connection with Fred, which is just interesting to think about. Like, I'm like, okay, so again, like it to me, it's not adding up that this was. I'm single. It's it to me. To me, it's not. Don and I are. Pretty much the same, and she's in like three relationships. One and zero. <laughs> she can't be in one. They do have the same style. I don't know what's not. I mean, maybe it's like this is the area Poughkeepsie, Pleasant Valley. They didn't have yeah. a lot going on. But I'm also like, it's interesting to me that like she she got remarried, and it never was even a question that she would have like a real relationship with Fred. And it's like maybe that's because she knew he's like just the type of guy she would want to have sex with, but not the type she would marry. Maybe the guy she married is someone she wasn't truly in love with and knew she could like knew could never do it for her. Or maybe she was just in this weird fucked up like abuse cycle with the favors and the, you know, it's just it's really interesting. And this is where Snap lacks because I'm like, <laughs> I know they're not trying to really understand the intricacies of like the effects that getting married at 21 and having kids early and like never You're getting like, to live the life she wanted. Gender studies teacher. Yeah, can somebody just like look into the subtlety of this and the institution of marriage and capitalism and how it promotes it and all that shit and this area of the country that got affected by the steel boom and then it like just like where is that in snapped? Instead, they're like she couldn't handle getting away from the fiery passion of Fred Andros even when she married a new man who happened to be an angel. So anyway. She gets remarried and everything starts to take a bit of a darker turn when in 1997, the Poughkeepsie town assessor is murdered Uh, in the Hudson Valley. Do I know what a town assessor is? No. Did I look into what that means? No, but it's some sort of public official. And because of that person's death, the FBI starts looking into things in the area. This is an area that maybe they weren't previously looking into. Clearly, they haven't continued to look into it because there's tattoo shops out there just giving college (laughs) kids tattoos and saying that you don't need a bandage or to clean it in any way. So, you know, the FBI was there and they get their eyes on Fred because it turns out that Fred is not the mob boss. The Republican town chairman of Poughkeepsie is the mob boss who is actually just ordering Fred around to do shakedowns of contractors. Basically, like Fred was like doing the whole act of like, yeah, you don't want to fuck with this guy. Like, I'm the mob boss in town. I'm going to bribe people whenever I want. But actually, all of the bribes and stuff was orchestrated by this Republican town chairman who was like ordering shakedowns for money. And Fred was just like basically the 
the lackey who like made it happen. But he's like telling these women, like, I'm going to need you to do me a little favor here, Don Mudge. So Fred loses his job. And in exchange for like not going to prison for being involved with the bribes, he cuts a deal with the FBI to like rat out this Republican chairman. Two years of Don and Fred's continued affair later, on October 28th, 1999, a woman named Susan Fassett is killed. I guess I feel like a little bit suspicious of her because she was leaving choir practice. But later in the story, I will become more on her side. She was leaving choir practice and she gets in her car and the car next to her seemingly was empty. And then someone sits up in the car, pulls out a gun and shoots her dead. And the interesting thing is that at first, when the other choir practice members heard the gunshot, they thought it was fireworks and just continued talking. Like what kind of fireworks have you heard? That's just one clear shot in broad daylight on a Sunday at like 2 p.m. So they, I guess, were just like glass half full kind of people. They were like, it's fireworks. (laughs) And they turn around. There's like, there's blood everywhere. Okay. The choir members thought that they caught the license plate of the killer. And so they give it to the police. And the, the license plate of the car that they said they saw pulling out of the parking lot, a.k.a. had just killed a person, belonged to... Susan's husband, the victim's husband, Jeff Fassett, who was a local police officer. So there's a standoff at Jeff Fassett's house and he's arrested for his wife, Susan's murder. We discover that, we, local law enforcement discovers that just before, (laughs) and William Phelps discovers that just before Jeff Fassett presumably killed Susan Fassett, she had admitted to him that she was having an affair. And ladies, who do you think she was having an affair with? Give you one guess. The Water King. The Water King, (laughs) Mr. Waterpants himself, Fred Andros. Despite him admitting that, Jeff Fassett, Susan's husband, says, I didn't kill Susan because when she told me that, we actually had a really deep conversation and we decided to recommit to each other, try to make it work. We were even having new wedding bands made. Again, this is giving Real Housewives vow renewal. This is giving Don and Vicky Gumbelson. This is not giving good vibes. Still at this point in the Snapped episode, I'm like, okay, cool, Jeff Fassett. You're a cop and you're saying that after your wife told you she was having an affair with the Water King, you were like, let's renew our vows. I don't think so. I want truth. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. So the investigators, meanwhile, while they're interrogating Jeff Bassett, realize that the either the choir members made a mistake when they saw the license plate or the cop who wrote down the license plate number fucked something up. The license plate that was reported was actually the victim, Susan Fassett's license plate. So either the choir members saw her license plate and said, we saw the killer's license plate. It was this because it was like. I don't know. There's maybe a there, miscommunication. There's a miscommunication yeah. or the cop wrote it down wrong. So the reason why they were like, oh my God, the license plate belongs to Jeff Bassett is because it was his car. So that's a little tough. It's, <laughs> it's like, they're like, hey, sorry. It's actually the car that your wife was killed in is yours, not the car <laughs> that the killer was in. Um, so they're like, all right, never mind. Scratch this. Sorry to bother you. After this snafu with the husband, they do an autopsy on Susan Fassett and they find that she did have sex before 24 hours before she was killed. They run the DNA from Jeff, her husband. It wasn't with him. Yeah. And so the investigators are like, okay, we're assuming since she just said she had an affair with Fred Andros, it could be his. This is something where I'm like, oh, if I saw this on a TV show, I would be like, LOL, that's so stupid. That's not going to work. Like, it's going to go wrong. And why did they include it if not? The investigators just ask Fred to, like, go out to dinner with them. And they, like, take him out to a restaurant because they already knew him because he was, like, going to be an informant for them. And when he goes to the bathroom, they take his straw. And I guess when he comes back from the bathroom, he doesn't realize that it's gone. And they used his straw to get DNA. They tested his DNA. They realized he's the one who had sex with Susan Fassett right before she died. So they take him in based on this. They start interrogating him. And Fred then tells them that he wasn't Susan Fassett's lover. Don Silvernail slash Don Mudge was Susan Fassett's lover. Thankfully, in this moment, M. William Phelps chimes in again and says, quote, they were carrying on a lesbian relationship. This is Pleasant Valley. This is suburbia. <laughs> Thanks, M. William. So then they start looking into Don Mudge slash Silvernail, and they realize that she actually does own the same gun that killed Susan. And so they're like, great, let's question Don. They're questioning Don, and she says that she was 
only friends with Fred and she doesn't know Susan. She didn't have an affair with either of them. Later, she admits to sleeping with Fred and important to note, she calls him her little troll to the police and says that after it started out consensual, she was into it, but then he started telling her she had like debts and she had to pay off her debts to him. Don tells the police that it started with like sexual favors for him. Then she was doing like these cash deliveries. And then he starts sort of like prostituting her out to sleep with people like saying like, okay, to pay off your debt, you have to sleep with my friend. You have to sleep with this guy. You have to sleep with that guy. One day he propositions her not to pay off her debt, but says, I will pay you $350 if you sleep with Susan Fassett and let me film it. Now let's think about this. That sounds a little better to me than having to sleep with one of Fred's like disgusting Poughkeepsie mob boss friends. It's like, it's Susan. We see her. She looks kind. She looks warm. It's 350 bucks. Like, listen, at the time, hard times, maybe for Don, I can see why she did it. And it's upsetting that he said, can I film it? But like, whatever. So basically don't know don't know what susan was getting out of it they didn't go into that but basically but like whatever is an interesting way to end that sentence but continue <laughs> okay but like whatever so susan and don are both like all right fine like we'll do it and they go to the poughkeepsie water pump station whatever that means and they like i i'm confused if they had a threesome with fred and he filmed it or if they just had sex with each other and he filmed it but like this is what's happening and almost like in certain moments, I'm almost like, honestly, good for them. Because I'm like, <laughs> listen, if you take out the extortion and all that like darkness, it's like these ladies are living their lives. They both got married really young. They weren't allowed to like explore their like own desires. And here they are in the Poughkeepsie water pump station doing something that, you know, now might be normal. But back then, like this was a risk. This was, this was, yeah. you know, and I'm like, okay, Don, like, I want you to be happy. And clearly your marriages aren't doing that for you. Susan, I obviously wanted her to be happy. I don't know anything about her marriage, but I don't think it was doing that well for her either. By the way, and William Phelps, to be quoted on this part of the case, says, it was just like something they did a couple of times to please Fred, but they ended up liking it. And it was exciting. It was new. It was fresh. Like my soul patch. (laughs) Like his soul patch. It was exciting. It was new. It was fresh. It was just something that they did a couple of times. They ended up liking it. So I guess they did a couple of times, which is a note I forgot. Um, Good thing I was so intent on quoting M. William Phelps. So (laughs) after they do it a couple of times, Susan starts getting second thoughts. She's like, I don't want to keep having threesomes and like sex with you, Don, in the water pump station. Like, I just feel weird about it. I don't really. We've all been there. We've all been there. And like in a different way, we've all been there. In a different way, we've all been there. And we've just been like, I'm just not coming to the water pump station tonight. And I'm sorry. So she's like, I'm just going to go be with my husband now. And that's like what my life is about right now. So she breaks it off with them. And then she's killed. So now let's get back to Don in the interrogation room. She, although at first was like, I don't know anything about this. I don't even know about this person. Now she's like fully opened up to the investigators about like, I was being manipulated by Fred. He was blackmailing me, all this stuff. Finally, she just says the words. She says, I shot that woman, but I didn't do it on my own. She tells the investigators that Fred, after Susan said, like, I'm going back to my husband, I'm not doing the water pump station thing anymore. Goodbye. Fred came to Don and said, I need you to do something to finish repaying your debt to me. You need to kill Susan. 
And Don is like, absolutely not. Are you crazy? Goodbye. No. Then he tells her, if you don't do it, I'm going to send this videotape of you having sex with her to everyone in your life. Oh, God. By the way, it's the 90s. It's like, if you've watched Dawson's Creek, you know that even in the early 2000s, like, people were not open and excited about gay sex in suburbia. So... This is something that's really scary for Dawn. She's terrified, but she still is like, no, I'm not going to kill someone. That's insane. Like, this is really terrifying, and I wish this wasn't going to get out to my family, but this just is what it is. Then he makes the cardinal sin. I don't know what cardinal sin means, but it feels right in this moment. Fred threatens to kill Don Silvernail's son if she doesn't kill Susan. Now she feels trapped. So Don kills Susan. And from her explanation to the investigators is like, yes, I am guilty of this, but I truly, truly, truly felt no other option. I didn't know what else to do. I was trying to protect my son. Okay. And she's like, the only way I can explain this mental state that I got to is that I was so manipulated and abused by this man for years. And it just was like things that previously would have been insane started to be normal. My brain was muddled. I was confused. And then he blackmailed me. And it was just fucking like she was just not in her normal mental state. She was vulnerable. That's how this happened. The police are like, now we're going to bring Fred in. When they go to his house to arrest him, He has attempted to shoot himself in the head. Uh, He did, in fact, survive. They bring him in like he's literally somehow was not affected at all. Like no injuries aside from like facial tissue. He can see, he can think he's at 100%. Like nothing really bad happened Um, because he just like shot the wrong angle or something. So they, they bring him into the trial. And like basically the trial is like whether Don is like fully responsible and it was all her fault or if she was like completely manipulated by this man. And basically there's this discussion of like when he showed up in the courtroom and they're like, and people gasped when they saw how disfigured this man's face was and how like he looked. I'm sorry, but he looked almost exactly <laughs> like, wait, what's going on? I'll text you the picture, but I obviously I'm really bad at that. It's going to like take me a second. But basically, like, he has, like, a couple scars. It's, like, barely noticeable. And they're, like, that it was it was a shock. It was There was a gasp in the courtroom the way this man looked. from. And it's, like, no. But, okay, let's move on. That's, like, the time that I got my wisdom teeth taken out. And then you go back in, like, four days later for them to check on it. My whole, my swelling had gone down. Anyway, I'm wearing a mask because I'm, it's COVID. Go into my dentist's office, take off my mask, and the nurse goes, <gasps> And then she goes, oh, I'm sorry. The swelling is getting better. And I was like, it's gone. This is my face. Is Wait, something the no, matter? No, Carolina, she no. literally went, oh. no. And I was like, what? What? That's awful. That's awful. That's so awful. So I get where I get Fred's experience. Okay. So you get it. You not yeah. only relate to Don, but you also relate to Fred. And I think it's that's true. important. So basically they do the trial and they they do come to the conclusion that Fred was the one who orchestrated all of this, despite the fact that Fred's defense counsel contended that Don did this because she was in love with Susan and then framed Fred because of his dis- like basically he was an easy scapegoat. He's the water king. He's the mob boss. And she was right. just embarrassed that she like fell in love with a woman. So she blamed this man. No. Um, 
So meanwhile, as he's like, like that's his defense and Don almost like doesn't even need a defense because she does express like real immense heartfelt remorse. Like she's like, I can't believe I basically, I cannot believe I, I got into such a mental state that I could do this to a person. Like luckily the jury was able to see some humanity in her, although she was still sentenced to, I think like 20 years or something. Um, and she did end up dying in prison. Fred also died like shortly after he went to jail of a heart attack, which is kind of like, wow, he went, he got through like actually shooting himself in the face and then he just had a heart, heart attack. Um, they did through the trial discover that like the reason Susan and Fred had sex 24 hours before she died is that like he kind of like went over her to her house and I, I don't know if he like forced her or tried to seduce her or something, but he wanted it to look like, oh my God, it wasn't him. Like they had just been hooking up. So that's what kind of a sick motherfucker Fred Andros was. And I really, really do conclude that the moral of this story is abolish the Republican Party. Yeah. And check where your water's coming from. And check where your water is coming from. What's going on at the water pump. That is something I do always say is check where your water is coming from. Jeez. What are they doing down at the water pump? But. That's my true crime romance. What did you think? I thought, holy shit, at a few points. First of all, I thought, these people are busy. They are running around town. Second of all, I thought, both these women have very domestic haircuts, but they're still going for it. And kudos to them for that. Right. It's like, you might be in the grocery store and think like, oh, that lady is such a Don Mudge type. Like, she's just... She's got the glasses. She's got the haircut. Basically looks exactly like Carolina. She can't possibly be getting into any kind of fresh, crazy, exciting sex at the water pump station. Exactly. And yet, you're wrong. You're wrong. But you're absolutely wrong. And also, how? Even, like, sorry, before dismanglement at his own hands, even before, like, how was Fred pulling any ladies? It's it pretty just, impressive. It's really impressive. I mean, Don was pretty accurate when she called him her little troll. That is kind of his vibe. I would also say follow the money. Who's the real villain? Yeah, who's the real villain? This Republican It usually leads fuck? to Mitch McConnell. I know Mitch McConnell is involved somehow, even though he didn't, he wasn't the head of the Republican Party just yet. I know he was involved in this. It's really, if we really want to get down to it, guys... Who's really at fault? Ronald Reagan. Yeah, I mean, that is an episode for another day, but this has actually been a trend recently is me talking about Ronald Reagan. If you want to know why college costs so much, Ronald Ronald Reagan Reagan was threatened by student protests, and so he wanted just the super rich and elite to be able to go to school. Gosh, if you want to know why there's a homelessness problem, Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan. shut down mental hospitals. Yep. Um, if you no, want to know who was bad. the blowjob queen on the MGM lot in Nancy Reagan. Uh, the 1960s, that's Nancy Reagan, glug glug 5000, as she was called on Twitter. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, really, truly, I think I think what we what we need to understand now is is all of true crime can be connected by one overarching villain. It's like, yes, there are murderers. Yes, there's evil done in different st- on a state-by-state basis. But the overarching evil that gave rise to true crime as it stands today is Ronald Reagan. And, um, you know, 
he has a lot of i mean he's even 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 in death he has increasing amounts of blood on his hands and i hope i will encourage you next time you see a fratty guy on hinge wearing a reagan bush sweatshirt i hope you will comment to him susan facet's blood is on your hands i am um gonna do that for sure and i also want to add one more detail about ronald reagan is that when he was an actor why one of the reasons he started getting into politics was because he was outing other actors who were exploring the communist party to the fbi yep he's a snitch yeah he's a loser he's a loser and a snitch face and so that's why we don't hang out with him anymore i don't hang out with him and i never did i'm i've always said fuck that guy even when all the girls, all the girls were like, we're going to Ronnie's tonight. To I was Reagan's like, fuck out. that guy. Like, I was I like, will, I'm not going to go. I have proven that I have such low self-esteem that like, really, there's like an anyone goes policy when it comes to me. But Ronnie, <laughs> try again. Walk the other way. Turn around, Ronnie. <laughs> turn go around. Go, go home. home. We don't need that. And Nancy's the one who said, glug, glug, 5,000 over there was like, come right in. And that's where all the evil in America started. It's, it sure did. Another person. With an unassuming haircut, who was the depths of evil. Haircuts um, don't say shit. That's what we've learned. We are going to talk about the staircase when I'm more informed. But don't keep your hopes up because, again, there was a time when, yes, Caroline and I planned our Big Little Lies-themed Halloween costume together. We talked in depth about the series. Later for me to find out, she has only watched but one episode of the whole show. Yeah, I didn't only see the series finale, but it hooked me. Okay, so don't keep your hopes up, but I will talk about The Staircase for sure, and Carolina will put her input about James when she feels fit. Love you, Devin. Love you, Carol. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.
Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today.